Um, I, I just love our decorations, um, this retreat. It sure ministered to me when I was thinking about the decorations and the assignment that Kathy gave us, um, how she wanted it to look. It helped me in my writing and certainly in uh, what I wanted to share with you today. So you can see we've used some fabric strips and all these colored strips, we want them to represent the joy that you guys have brought with you. Um, so we're asking you, we've got a basket of strips up here up front. When you have some time, when you get done with eating or maybe this evening, I would love to see when we get home, get ready to go home this weekend that this is just filled with our joy. I think it's kind of sparse right now and I think there's more joy in this room that we've account- than we've accounted for. So take some time and come up and fill out a strip. Just put something on there that you love. I put down that I love my husband. It's, it's a pretty great man. So, And then, you know, God's grace is incredible. Um, so wherever you're at with that, if you have to put a phrase down or a word, we'd love to do that. Our hope is that when we're done, we're going to go home and make some quilts out of these to help fund our next retreat. So we'd love to have you be a part of our quilts. Um, also, I've come to some retreats that felt like there were some closed doors and there was some um, different levels or there were the minions and there were the, the leaders and I certainly don't want that to be the feeling here and so I hope that these doors represent that there are no closed, closed doors here that we're coming and going in the different cabins and uh, that there's no closed doors here either so I loved what um, Joanne said this morning about opening our ears I hope we're opening our hearts as well um, let's pray before we get started Lord, I thank you for this time, for the sisters and the fellowship, for the women that were able to make it, and I lift up the women that are home and hurting that uh, they're with us next year, and that we can bring home some nuggets to them as well. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share with the women, and uh, pray that you would just meet us here, that uh, you would find room to move, Lord. There would be no barriers. Join us here. Open our hearts. These favors I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I was here last year for our annual retreat, but I'd missed the year before because I had some incredible back pain that didn't allow me to sit in a seated position for more than 15 or 20 minutes. My back pain had started about four months after burying my mom, and we were well into an estate settlement that had um, left my family in division because of, of the harsh words and the anger and bitterness that was carried forward from before I even existed. I, and, and it was manifested in that, um, in how my family reacted to some of the things that went on, and it was, it was apparent um, and a lesson to be learned for me and uh, in prayer that, you know, there's going to be some healing there, but man, damaged and a family divided. Um, So to be able to stand in this place last year and I was stood amongst women who were broken and they were crying and they were in tears for the, the trials that they were in and there were women that were in tears for in reverence for what the Lord has done for them. And I was fighting to be stoic. I was standing back there where they're taking care of the sound for us today. And I was with one, I was with Jill Taylor and we're kind of giggling. I mean, we're trying to be stoic because there's some serious emotion. There's people broken. 
And we're having joy. The Lord had gave me that message at that retreat that my grieving was over and it was time for joy. You know, and here comes Kathy and we're like, oh, we're in trouble again because we're supposed to be serious. We're trying to hold our giggles back. Um, Kathy's good, but um, it was just such a sweet time. And I hope that you have that experience while you're up here too. If, if you came up here with a heavy heart, that this is a turning point for you. Um, the Lord gave me a message some years back, uh, a dream about a hinge before me and one hinge was small. He had him in the palms of his hand. One hinge was kind of small and one hinge was, was larger. And uh, he said, go out into society. We have that choice, that pivotal point. This could be your pivotal point. That's what a hinge is. It's a pivotal point. Let this be your pivotal point. Make that change. Um, I hope that is that for you this weekend. Okay, well, let's get started. I've got a map that I pulled off the internet. It's a, a map of Paul's third journey. We're going to leave it up while we're talking. And I just, I like to think about, I'm like, well, where is that? I've never heard of that place. It's just not something we're not going to load up and go to Corinth for the weekend. So I want, <laughs> I want to see where it is. I want to see the distance between those places. And so we'll get those up for you as we're talking, just to understand and the time that Paul lived in, you know, we loaded up and we drove three hours and traveled a couple hundred miles to come up here. And it would have taken him days and weeks to make the, the journeys that he made and without the resources that we have. And I, that's obvious to you all, but just to continue to uh, think about that. Um, so the map, it's important to discover or to think about where Paul was um, not only geographically, but where Paul was here in his head and where Paul was here in his heart. In Damascus, I want you to understand what he'd been through. In Damascus, he escaped a murderous mob, and in Jerusalem, he was nearly killed by the Hellenists. He was exiled out of the city of Antioch. In Iconium, the Jews attempted to stone and beat him, but he escaped to Lystra, Lystra, in Lystra, he was drugged from the city where he was actually stoned, supposedly to death, but he rose up and he went right back into that city. In Pergia, Paul was abandoned by Mark. And in Philippi, he was dragged before the judges, beaten with rods, and imprisoned. In Thessalonica, as well as Berea, he narrowly escaped a murderous attack. In Corinth, Paul was encouraged by God. God came to him a vision at night, knowing clearly that Paul needed encouragement, needed to feel God's touch and comforting words, that he needed to press on, to not give up, don't be quiet, and to not be discouraged. Regardless of how things look, keep moving forward, keep moving on wherever you're at in your journey. Maybe this is your pivotal point. Paul was encouraged to go on. In Ephesus, the entire city was enraged and they nearly killed him. There was an, a murderous plot to kill him in Macedonia and later in Jerusalem as well. In fact, in Jerusalem, he was arrested and beaten so badly by the mob he couldn't walk. He was nearly torn limb from limb. 
Now this sounds like some kind of overdone Hollywood action film, but this was the life and times of Paul, our apostle Paul. This was Paul's journey, and these were his experiences up to this point. As promised in Acts 9.15, the Lord said he would show Paul how many things he must suffer for his namesake, and that it was going to be a hard journey. I'd like for you to keep these, uh, these trials and experiences in the back of your mind as we move into the chapter. Paul was writing this letter from prison in, in a prison cell in Rome, and I've given you a little bit of what went on before Paul got to that prison cell. And yet this letter, it speaks of comfort and love, of affection, of mercy, and of joy. Uh, before I read the chapter, I just want to recap from Stacy's talk last night. Um, there were two things, I mean, she had a lot in there, but there were two things that resonated in me. One, that we need to take every thought captive to not believe the lies that this world tells us, that the media tells us, those hurts that we pick up in daily conversation. Take every thought captive and replace it with the truth of God. And the second one was his promise that he who has begun a good work in you He'll complete it. He's not going to leave you here if you make that choice. If you take that thought captive and you make that choice. In chapter 2, these were the points that stood out to me, so I want you to listen to them as we go through. Um, Paul's telling us to be like-minded. He's telling us to put others before ourselves, that we're to become obedient. We're not to complain or dispute. And we're to hold fast to the word of life. Okay. So um, if you're not there already, we're going to be in Philippians 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Be humbled and exalted in Christ. That's the title of the next section. Uh, chapter, um, sec- verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also exalted him, highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed in my, not not as in only my, pardon me, let me start over in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good purpose. 
Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice in you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Timothy, excuse me, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that is a son with his father. He served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, a brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. But your messenger, the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard he was sick, for indeed he was sick, almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but upon me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your services toward me. I know we're running a little late. Um, there's still granola bars over there. If somebody's just starving, feel free to get up and move around and, and satisfy that little hunger until we can get through to our brunch. Um, I want to start with verses 1 and 2 and break this down a little bit for you. It was so hard because everything was a nugget and I wanted to define every word and we just didn't have the time for that. We could have spent the whole weekend here. So verses 1 and 2, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Well, what's it like to be, of, be like-minded? Well, Paul's defined it for us saying of the same love, of one accord, of one mind. I went a little further, and um, it's to have a similar or identical opinion, a, disposi a disposition, the same habit of thought. We're back to that thought thing again, ladies. Um, that you and I, we have, the same, we have the same ideals and the morals and ethics. We want to live our lives by the same set of standards. But what are those standards? Um, Paul's going to get to those, but I really want to like camp out on our mind a little bit. I really think that's so key. That's where it starts. The New King James Version uses the word mind 95 times. In my research, not once could I find where he changed a mind. He changed the heart. He hardened hearts. People hardened hearts. We've hardened our hearts. We've changed that. So the heart... He's going to change the heart, but we have to change our mind. 
Second Timothy tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He gave us a sound mind. How we choose to use that mind is up to us, though. We're free will. Are, you know, are we going to keep that sound mind? Or are we going to fill it with the junk that this world has given us? I heard a term recently. It was called an unquiet mind. And, man, it just kind of stuck with me because it's certainly something that I struggle with. And I like to, at the end of the day, play through everything I said that I could have said better. And I like to play through the things... <laughs> I like to play through the things that people said that hurt me. Like, what could I have said that, that would have been, you know equally cutting or <laughs> and then I'm glad I didn't that I was just struck awe um, what could I have done better the mistakes I've made this makes mistakes they've made and if I run out of good material for the day I like to dig back into the archives and bring that back up so and by the time I'm done with that whole process I'm pacing the house I'm anxious and I'm just a wreck and, and I'm making that choice to have an unquiet mind so uh, I'm the perfect example of the unquiet mind. I battle that. Colossians 3.2 tells the church to set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. And I think I already shared that one with you guys. Sorry about that. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. How, pray tell, am I going to feel love my Lord with all my mind when I have allowed so much to be infiltrated from this from the things that have hurt me Why all the things that I'm packing around that I'm uh, that I need to just set down that I need freedom from King David wrote Psalm 26 2 asking God this examine me O Lord and prove me try my mind and my heart this was a prayer for divine scrutiny he was asking God to search him and reveal anything that he needed to be freed from in his life. God knows us better than we know ourselves. We need to ask for that clarity. In verses 3 and 4, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look, not, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. This one's really pretty simple. Joanne touched on it this morning. We're not to think lowly of ourselves. Don't be confused by that. We're not to think of ourselves at all. Put others before ourselves. And then this goes on, and we're given the perfect example of this in Jesus. Verses 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who... Being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. The word mind describes his attitude in context with the sentence. He's describing his divine attributes and characteristics of God. The word form, it's not in reference to the physical body, but the outward expression of the inward nature. He was holy, yet he took the form, not of a king. He had that choice, he had that right to who he was, but a servant. Isaiah 53 tells us there is there was no beauty that we should desire him. 
If we had seen Jesus in a crowd, we probably would have overlooked him. There was nothing distinctive about his physical form that we should desire him. Was what in here? What was in here that drew people to him? Verses eight through seven. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those of heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, the God, of God the Father. Obedient to the point of death, thinking not of himself but of others. Do you remember what Jesus said on the cross? He said a couple things, but the thing that I remembered that stood out to me was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't saying, curse them. They've harmed me. Forgive them for they know not what they do. He was serving others even in his extraordinary sacrifice. Paul was like-minded, having an obedient mind. He knew there were tears and trials on the path before him. In Acts 20, 23, Paul said, the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying, chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. What would move you from your joy? What's going to deter you in your journey? Paul knew it was coming for him, and he didn't, he didn't turn around. There's not a, a spot on this map where Paul turned around. They deterred him. They held him captive. They injured him, but he moved on. He didn't stay there. He kept moving. Um, so I would ask you that of yourselves. What could possibly keep you from finishing your race with joy? Verses 12 through 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. I love my sisters, my sisters that I fellowship with. I, you know, the phone calls. I'm, I'm reading Philippians 2. What'd you get out of it? And that's where I really got, there was stuff that I completely overlooked and other gals like, this totally touched me and they would talk and it was just so sweet. It was just fun to, to get to pick those minds and kind of pull the group. But one thing that really stood out is, um, one gal had said, she goes, well, but isn't that taking Jesus out of the equation? If I'm supposed to work out my own salvation? Don't get hung up on that. I think what they're saying here is um, to work out, to continue on, finish it. We, we, you know, we've got our things that we struggle with and continue on. Work out your own salvation. We're not being a tol told to achieve our salvation through works, but to see it through to completion. 
I think as women, we just, we, it's just what we do. We compare ourselves to other women. Not only, I mean, it, we can do it in our appearance. Uh, you know, I, I've seen the gals speaking. And went, oh, I wish I could speak like that. As I was sitting in the audience. And, and you do, you do comparison. And I think we compare, we compare where we're at with the Lord, too, and what he's called us to. And we need to stop that. We need to work out our own salvation and be, that's why we need to have that relationship with God so we can hear what he's calling us to do. You know, sometimes he is going to call us to step out in faith and do something that you don't think you can do. I don't have that skill, Lord. He's going to show up. He's going to teach you that. And sometimes you're going to be tired and you're going to wonder why. And you're going to, I just had this happen to me this summer and I was just checking the boxes. I was doing a Bible study. I was going to church on Sunday. I was doing my devotion, but I was checking the boxes. And I was, it was becoming, it was void on me. Um, and I, I did that, this fast that, um, that we've talked about, the awakening. And Lord said, you're, you're, being, you're being a Martha instead of a Mary. Just come and be still, just be still come get to know me again and that's what my fall has been we I didn't do a Bible study I didn't lead a Bible study this summer um, or this fall I, I'm hoping to pick it up in January but this has been a sweet time what he's shown me don't don't miss those times when he says be still be still doesn't mean drop drop this book it means pick it up and don't be distracted by these other things that we think have to be done like get into the gym and all those things that we think as women that we're supposed to be superwoman, we're not. We're going to fail. You're going to fail if you try to do that. Be still once in a while. Listen for him to call you to do that. God loves to use the weak, the imperfect, the unlikely vessels just so his grace may shine through us, so he can show off. I love that. Verses 14 through 16. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Paul could have been complaining and disputing in his circumstances, but he wasn't. He gave us this letter of encouragement and of hope to carry on, to don't get stuck there. Keep moving. Verses 17 and 18. Mm, pardon me, I missed some. Holding fast to the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run, my, run in vain or labored in vain. This one kind of was... Hold fast to the word of life. That's what I'm talking about. Don't, don't put this book down when you're called to be sealed. Don't put this book down when you don't have time to pick it up. It's the first thing to pick up because it's the only thing that's going to get you through that hard thing that he's calling you to, to walk in. 17 and 18. Yes, and if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith... I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Tell me you see the parallels of the like-minded here. Isn't that exactly what Christ did for us? 
And Paul's doing it for the church, for the, for the people that haven't been, he just kept going out and starting churches and encouraging people and, and he was killed for it. Um, and he said, don't be sad, don't run from that, rejoice, be glad in it. I love um, Ann Voskamp, I can't get through any speaking commitment without referencing her, she just inspires me and she said this, communion with Christ is the continual conversation of the heart. Wherever you are, this is what makes the heart love. Love can only be what communion is. It's a pouring out, a breaking open, a passing around, a sacrifice. That's what Paul was doing for the church, for those folks that that didn't know the Lord. He was giving it all. 19 through 24. But trust in the Lord Jesus. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. I think it's kind of over, overwhelming. You know, we've given two examples here of Jesus. But yeah, he, how would we ever attain that? He was perfect. He was, he was a son of God. And we've given Paul as examples to be like-minded. And Paul was a chosen apostle of God. And how do we ever meet up to that? I mean, we're just, we're just church members. Well, I think that's why we're given Timothy and Epaphroditus. That's what they were. They came, out, they came alongside and helped. Um, are we okay? Okay. <laughs> do I need to do anything different? Okay. Um, they were just, they were church members and baby Christians that were raised up in the church. And then, then he sent them out. I mean, that's what we are. I hope we all go back and, and we're the Timothys and the Paphrodites back, back to our own home churches. I'll finish up here. Twenty-five through thirty. Let it be necessary to send. Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again you may rejoice and I be, may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Timothy and Epaphroditus, they... They had struggles too, and that's what he's saying here. You know, it, it wasn't easy. He did get sick. Um, 
don't know, I hope those are encouraging words to you. Um, we have a lot of examples there on uh, being like-minded and taking our thoughts captive. You've probably wondered why I've got this suitcase up here. Uh, can we just pray again before we, we go on? Uh, Lord, we just, we thank you for the word and we thank you for the examples that you've given us. Uh, that you've given us direction and, and we just have to choose, we have to make that choice um, to set down those things that are heavy. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would guide me in the things that need to be said and that I would not over speak. Um, that you would be with us, you'd be a softening heart, you'd be... But these women have been evaluating that thing that has been keeping them from joy, what's, what's slowing them down in their journey. Lord, I pray you give us, the, give me the words that you work through this, these favors I ask in Jesus' name. Um, so you've noticed that I've got this suitcase up here. And um, I'm not like Paul. I don't travel light. <laughs> and my suitcase, it's kind of old and it's kind of beat up. And I've been dragging around with me for a while. Um, you know, I mentioned that I had some back pain. And uh, it was... It when they, they couldn't find out what was wrong and they had, uh, you know, they had to go in and do an exploratory surgery and they'd, they'd said, Sue, you know, if, if this is bad, we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to take out, you know, your reproductive organs and you just, you need to be prepared for that, that could happen. And we just don't know what we're gonna find when we get in there. And what they found was um, a fibroid and it was the size of a man's fist. And it was, it's hard, and it's like one of those hard rubber bouncy balls. It, it, it was firm, and it was pressing on, on my spine, and it was pressing things out of alignment and dam damaged my sciatic nerve. And they were able to get it out. And that surgery didn't destroy my hopes of having children. But endometriosis, uh, years of battling that have... Uh, you know, they, they've damaged, they've done their damage, and it's just, you know, it's, it is what it is. And that was the path that the Lord chose for me. And he just, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Um, you know, going through that, and um, I buried my dad, and then two years later, I buried my mom. And then four months later, my back started hurting. And then the family that I had left were divided. And, and you, I, I could choose to take the anger and bitterness and carry it forward. And, and there's parts of this where I did. I mean, there was a time I was going to church, and I was going to church because my husband wanted me to. And the days that I didn't want to go to church, he'd say, why aren't you going to church with me? And I'd say, because I got a thing. The Lord and I, we got a thing. And I'm kind of mad right now. Um, so what I carried around with me, it was my anger and it turned to bitterness. And if you approached me at church four or five years ago, I was, I was, I probably wouldn't even remember it because I was so hurt by that journey that the Lord asked me to go on. And I carried it around with me. You could see it. You guys saw me walk up here with this suitcase. That bitterness was that 
obvious in my life. Um, I had a girlfriend ask me to go to a Bible study, and I was shocked when I said yes, because I really didn't want to go. And, uh, and I went, and those women at that Bible study became the core of, um, of my life. I mean, they're, they're who I bounce ideas off of. They, they are my encouragers. And when I'd come home from that Bible study, my bitterness, <laughs> my husband was so excited for me to have gone to that Bible study. He's like, how did it go? And I said... I have nothing in common with those women other than I want to do this Bible study. That's where I was. Um, and work, I'd go to work and I, would, I was, if you picked up my yearbook, it said I was um, voted best personality. And if you went to work with me, I was the girl everybody wanted to take out in the field with them. I was the girl they wanted to take the meetings because I was fun to. But when I went home, on the weekends. I was a different girl. I was a different girl. Now I could have chosen to stay there. I could have just got stuck in one of these places. I could have turned, I could have retreated. And I've, I'm not Paul, I'm not, I'm not any of that, I don't want you to think that, but if there's somebody out there that's in that place, they're like, here because some friend has been bothering them for years to come to a women's retreat. Keep seeking. Make that choice. Change your mind. Change your mind. So I've got my bitterness up here with me. And, you know, we asked you to write your joy up there. But I want, Kathy asked you yesterday to uh, think about that thing that was keeping you, holding you back. You know, it's hard to me get up here and talk about this because I told you last year at the retreat, the Lord said, you are done with grieving. It's time for joy. Oh, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to pick this bag back up and bring it up here with me. I left it last year. But I know I still have, I, if I spend some time, that bitterness is still there if I think on it. And if you're thinking about that thing um, now that's, uh, maybe you haven't come to it yet, and maybe you're thinking about it now, maybe you're holding your breath a little bit because it's that painful. you let that breath out, that deep sigh, it can start to feel like a grand conversation with the Lord when you let that breath out. So we're going to play a song, and I'm all done. I'm going to let you go. But I'm going to hang my bitterness and my pride issues. I'm going to hang them up here because I want them to be, I want to turn them to joy. I want them to be happy. So this isn't a sad story, ladies. I don't want to tell you a sad story. I want to leave my sad story here. I want to turn it to joy. I mean, that's happened for me. I just don't want you to think I'm just Pollyanna up here telling you to be happy because it's been hard. It was not easy. I had to make that choice. So we're going to play the song. It's what? Um, it's Jason Gray. So I'll hang that up. And we've got um, markers up here if you want to write that now. We're going to leave the suitcase up here with the strips. So if you want to do it after a meal, if you want to sneak in here after everybody's gone to sleep and put this up, this thing you need to get rid of, leave it here. Leave it here. Don't bring it back with you. Turn that to joy.